Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. This uh, government shutdown, Kabuki Theater, has become as much a staple of, a se- of the season as the Nutcracker. And so here we are again, where one side pretends to be fiscal conservatives, however briefly, and the other side pretends to be devotees to important social welfare programs, however temporarily. And you have uh, this induced concern about uh, uh, the the lights being on when 80% of the government is on autopilot and the only thing that shut down is about 20% of non-essential workers who essentially get a paid vacation. That's a government shutdown right. and that we're supposed to be concerned about. Here's how, uh, how Speaker Nancy Pelosi tried to explain it oh boy. in her uh, press briefing yesterday. House, it's the McGovern bill. It's a stronger bill uh, than the, uh, the it is, it's a bill that we could have freestanding or a bill that is in the Eagle Act that is part of the, um, the, um, Mr. The Foreign Affairs Committee, Mr. Kendrick Meeks, no, oh <laughs> Gregory Meeks, Bill, Kendrick, we're, we're all uh, we're all very sad about losing Carrie Meek this this week. So what? I referenced her son, but the Chairman what? Uh, Meeks' bill in the um, in the House, so we will have that. But you see, in a def- uh, defense in a bill. Whether it's in the we, you, whatever that thing's called that they have in the Senate, oh my God, or in a DOD bill, the Senate does not have the right to have a revenue or an appropriations matter. I hope that clears it up for you. Oh if there were any questions? For uh, more on this, as well as the November jobs numbers, please be joined again by James L. Perry. He's senior VP and partner at Arbor Research. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Good morning. Hi, Amy. Hello. Good morning. Uh, please tell me that, that the meant. market has become sophisticated enough to ignore all of this government shutdown posturing. <laughs> Sophistication and markets should not be used in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, okay, well, let's talk about the Omicron, how that is affecting the markets, because, you know, you know, there's going to be more cases today. So what's it going to look like? I think it's a big deal. I, I was listening to uh, an interview from the guy that runs United Airlines yesterday, and he said, you know, we've known that there are going to be mutations on these variants, and we knew these were coming. It's not the last one, but we're prepared for it. And the fact is, as they mutate, they get less dangerous. Uh, the trouble is that they spread like wildfire. And, you know, since March of last year, you know, we don't know how this stuff's going to play out. I I think the market's fearful. I think that's right. But if you look at sort of the market-based data that is reflecting future prices, the market is looking past this stuff, um, knowing that the Fed can't raise rates when we're slowing down here. And if they did stop buying bonds and reducing accommodation, the stock market's going to get hammered. You know, So it's the biggest bubble we've had since... Japan, I think, and nobody knows what it's worth. Um, nobody knows what the values are, and the only time everybody's happy is when the momentum's going up. Everybody's making money on Bitcoin and Tesla, but well, valuation yeah. going forward, I don't know. Well, I mean, so they should be. The market should be looking past this because we're not going to do lockdowns again. Uh, in part because of uh, the inflation and and the 
understanding, even among Biden economists, that you don't want to add more supply side inflationary pressure right. to the situation. So that's not going to happen. So they should be looking forward to that. But you so you don't think, though, with respect to uh, equities, you think some of the rhetoric coming from Jay Powell this week and other Fed board chairman about um, tapering, you don't think that's real? Uh, it was an interesting week, wasn't it? And uh, there was a definite Powell's uh, pivot here again. Um, I'm not so sure how much of that's political. Uh, I think he has been used as a pawn in this debt ceiling thing. No shock that all of a sudden it's been uh, delayed for another 10 weeks here, right? So he said the right things for the market. Um, I think he said accommodation is going to keep coming, and the Fed is going to remain very accommodative. And I was looking at things, you know, if you the signals from the Fed are louder and louder that interest rates are coming and hiking. And that's what the market wants you to believe. But market based indicators are saying something very different. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every cycle that we've had of tightening in this country since the 70s, rate hike cycles have resulted in successively lower peaks. And that's logical because inflation has also had lower peaks. Right. So you've got this secular deflationary trend in the economy that everybody knows exists. The only big question that we have right now is here we've got this unprecedented fiscal and monetary stimulus since COVID. And maybe that reverses the secular downtrend in inflation that we've had for 31 years. And nobody knows the answer. Um, I'm betting secular deflation is still with us. That's kind of. I think interest rates are going lower, and I think that uh, Powell is correct that unemployment is a way bigger problem than short-term inflationary pressures. Well, unemployment, unemployment dropped three-tenths of a point, uh, according to the Labor Department uh, today, yes, uh, based on 210,000 new non-farm payrolls in November, yeah. which was uh, less than half of what was estimated, but... And right. then they added there's another 100,000 or uh, roughly uh, in terms of additions to October and, yeah. and September. So so what do you make of that? A disappointing number, but the unemployment rates, 4.2% uh, is uh, doesn't sound like right. a number that you should be concerned about. I agree. I mean, the unemployment rate is a very complicated calculation, and I'm not so sure that people should be focusing on the non-farm payroll number as much as they do. Um, the household survey continues to show that there's, you know, Another 300 or 400 or 500,000 people almost every month leaving the workforce. So there's two different surveys, and 4.2 does seem like a good idea, and you'll hear that from the White House today. Um, you'll also hear about average hourly earnings. You know, um, they're up again, and uh, year on year, you're looking at 4.8%. That's a big number, right? We except it's, not, kind of it's, not, a, except it's not as big as the inflation number. Well, that's right. Uh, households are really feeling the pinch of higher prices, and uh, they are shocked at food and gasoline. And it's hurting, and it's hurting opinion polls on politicians, and it's hurting sentiment. If you look at, you know, again, going back to these sort of secular deflationary trends being offset by this stimulus price increases, um, one of the guys I talk to a lot uh, came up with a chart this week. He has a global supply chain disruptions index which includes things like prices of semiconductors and Chinese thermal coal and things like that. But the point is, uh, and shipping rates, 
but that index is down 30% in the last three months, right? It's down 30%. And he has a chart that overlays core CPI with that, which usually lags by about a month or two. So the market is looking past this. To your point, the stock market is looking out about six months. I think after Christmas, when everybody gets all their stuff, um, and we start looking at, you know, February, March, when it gets a little bit warmer out eventually in some parts of the country, I think you're going to see the CPI number come down pretty hard. I think the, the bond market is pricing in uh, what it should be. Um, and not to get too technical, I'll just tell you a little quick story. There's a thing called uh, the five-year overnight swaps index, which is a little technical. But the point is that it's a market-based position that says traders expect the next rate cycle hike to peak at 1.45%. Less than one and a half percent, and adjusted for inflation, that's real yields. Real rates are forecast not to get into positive territory in this business cycle. And right now, real Fed funds rates are negative six percent. That's the market. And so, so that doesn't the news, but that's a really negative number. So I think going forward in the derivatives market, income. Bond, bond investors are looking at lower rates, and that's why the stock market is still here. Well, that's just, so then, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So then the, the those that are bullish on bonds are wrong? Uh, I don't think bullish on bonds is wrong. I think that there's a fast twitch um, inflation narrative that drives trading profits because it's mostly high frequency and algorithmic. So you can see... I mean, what was the high yield in, in tenure notes in the last week? It, it stayed under 170 again, right? In March, it was 175. And all of a sudden, here we are again, you know, we're at 145. So that's not a sell-off in the Treasury bond market. The short ends up a little bit because it's mispriced, but bond investors are looking at duration. They're looking at long cash flows at 2%, where if you're in Japan or Europe and you're a pension fund or a government reserve agency, you know, you're getting negative interest rates on this stuff. So long bonds are cheap, really. I, I don't think people think about that because they look at stocks. But in the grand scheme of things, globally speaking, the long treasury bond, even a long strip, makes a very, very good, makes a lot of good sense for a long-term insurance or pension investor. Um, on, on the employment situation, um, there's an interesting uh, data point in a Wall Street Journal op-ed on the topic. Uh, of the uh, 27 states with Republican governors, they're, yeah. um, uh, they, uh, in terms of the missing jobs as compared to now as compared to February 2020, 27 states with Republican-led governors have fewer missing jobs than California, Illinois, and New Jersey. Those three states have more fewer jobs than February of 2020 than 27 GOP-led states. So it's a... a yeah. And we're about four million off altogether, but it's mostly the blue states, if you will. And so then the right. question becomes, if if the if and when those blue states move out of COVID era restrictions, quasi lockdowns in big cities like New York and San Francisco, uh, yeah. then you know, is it possible that the return and 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 if you don't get the four trillion dollars in funny money spend that's pending is it possible that uh, the the economy could exceed expectations in in 22 and beyond uh that's a big question and a good one with a lot of moving parts but i agree with just about everything you've said 
And I think that, you know, like the housing market, the jobs market by state is very fragmented. And I think you have to really pay attention to the subtleties. California, Illinois, New Jersey, these are places where the governors and the mayors of these cities are banging the fear drum for everybody. And whether it's people truly fearful about going back to work or truly taking advantage of a situation that says, why should I bother when I'm going to get paid anyway? You know, I'm not in that mindset. I work, so I, I don't know how that decision-making process takes place. But I do know, now that I'm down in Miami here, Miami is opening. Florida is open for business. People want to go out to dinners. The restaurants and bars around here uh, have noticeably gotten crowded. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody's sick. Hospitals are empty. And people right. are going back to work. And the government's holding back. You know, I sit here at Miami Beach, uh, the harbor here, and, you know, these cruise ships, you, there's 10 of them here every day, right? They're going out the port every single day. And I go run around the bottom of the port in the evenings. These ships are empty, right? Because normally there's people on every balcony waving. There's nobody on these ships. So the airlines and the travel and leisure industry is getting hammered nationally. And I don't think that's going to come back anytime soon. The airlines are making, well, Jets index is up a little bit today, but you know the, the airlines are airline stocks are down fifty percent still. Wow. So I well, how much of that has to do with the new Omicron and also you know the new restrictions that Biden put in place? If you're especially for international travel, you have to have a test within twenty four hours lot. instead of seventy two. Yeah, it, it it matters a lot. I mean, this stuff happened this week. I was you know like everybody hanging out with family Thanksgiving evening. And my phone starts pinging about 10 o'clock at night talking about this variant. And I was like, Oh man. Uh, and then sure enough, an hour later, Hong Kong and China open up and in Japan and these things are down six and eight and 10% on Thursday night, Thanksgiving. Right? Yeah. This wow, just yeah. happened. So yeah. in the stock market for, for every travel and these, these guys have gotten hammered. So well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a neat, it's Apple a... makes it right. Yeah, a knee-jerk reaction because uh, they understand that they're knee-jerk politicians in places that matter, big states. But I tell you, it seems to me that those states that are lagging in returning to some semblance of uh, freedom, uh, California, New York, Illinois, New Jersey, all the COVID-driven states, they can either choose to recover by reopening or we won't experience that bump right away, but we'll experience it over time with the continued migration of businesses and people from those states to Texas and Tennessee and Florida. It's their choice. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I would. If I had a business in New Jersey or Illinois or California, I'd be gone by now. James Perry, senior. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're, you're trying. Uh, James Perry, senior VP and partner at Arbor Research. James, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Very much appreciated on your side as well. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Dan. Have a good morning. Thank you. You too. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM 560. The Answer. You own or run a business and you need printing. This is what you're going to hear. Print Smart. Print Smart. Print Smart. Print Smart is the number one choice for all types of business printing. For decades, this local company has been doing printing for companies nationwide. Small projects, big projects, every printing need for business. Print Smart. You're not a chain store churn and burn. You're a partner and your needs are number one. This is Mike Burke of Print Smart Printing. I personally guarantee your satisfaction with your print project. 
I can prove it. Let's work on your next print job together. See what it's like to work with a good local printer where you're number one. You'll see why we have lifetime customer 